Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey everybody, this is uh, this is Casey McLean. I'm recording this podcast on January 10th. It's a uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff. We got a lot to talk about because um, there's some cowardice and some crazy sports shit shit that happened, and also uh, some tragedy, some comedy tragedy. Um, before I get started, what I'd like to tell you to do, if you would, is if you live in Seattle or North Bend. Uh, Washington, North Bend, me and Gabriel Rutledge, my buddy, by the way, go check out. He just put out a 45 minute special on YouTube called jokes versus Boise. It's a really awesome set that he did in Boise, Idaho uh, a couple years ago, by the way, with Gabriel Rutledge in Boise, Idaho was my return to road comedy. So, uh, that place and Gabe hold special place, uh, hold each hold their own and a combined special place in my heart, uh, in comedy. Also, um, he and I will be at North Bend theater in North Bend, Washington, January 21st. We'd love it. If you came out, uh, it's always just stressful to have a fucking produced show. It's stressful to produce comedy shows. This is a door deal. It's very stressful because what are we going to make? No money on this gig. Are we going to make, uh, are we going to lose money? performing for you know 40 people on this gig so please tell your friends gabe's the best comic in the northwest by far i do okay uh but i am my laptop battery is is slowly draining what does it say it has left because we might have to get the video shit out of the way 51 minutes it says uh so this podcast that's probably a lie it's probably a little bit of an overestimate so we're going to work through this, uh, these topics a little bit faster. Uh, and then, by the way, February 19th, I will be at the Rendezvous in Seattle. Uh, I'm going to, I think I'm going to host and headline the show. Oh, I think you can hear my dog losing her mind downstairs. Okay. First off, the biggest news in football, uh, apart from, um, well, actually, the, the playoff, there was, we just got done with the first ever week 18 in NFL history, and it had some intrigue down to the very end. Uh, the So when the Indianapolis Colts, against all odds, lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars, it opened up a scenario where the Pittsburgh Steelers could make it to the postseason barring the one thing that it was barring was an Oakland Raiders and San Diego Chargers, not San Diego Chargers, Los Angeles Chargers, but barring a tie, 
and they took it down to the bitter end. They were tied with uh, two seconds left in overtime. And then Oakland kicked a game-winning field goal, and the rest is history. And, of course, there's like, so there was a play. I actually don't really understand the point of the timeout necessarily, but uh, San Diego took a fucking San Diego. Relax. We have a present Los Angeles team, a former Los Angeles team. Casey, get it together. Uh, the Chargers took a timeout with like 40 seconds left, one of their two overtime timeouts. And there's been a whole bunch of scrutiny that like the Raiders were playing for a tie up to that point, but because the Chargers took a timeout, they decided not to. So an interesting thing from the Raiders' perspective is if the Raiders just take knees... They make the playoffs. And so do the Chargers. They would have tied. The Pittsburgh Steelers would. So what the Raiders could do is they could play for a tie to guarantee themselves a spot in the playoffs. The Chargers take a timeout. The Raiders run the ball, gain like eight yards, end up kicking this field goal. It was a little bit of an easier field goal. It would have been like, I think, a 57 or 59-yard field goal or something, which is no chip shot. No guarantee, obviously. But certainly they would have attempted the field goal. And Los Angeles calls this timeout, and it became like kind of a source of um, scrutiny, which I actually didn't really understand. Because I don't suspect that the Raiders actually were planning on not attempting a field goal. Um, I think that they probably planned on taking a timeout themselves as the clock got closer. And uh, anyways, so against all odds, so the, the Raiders kick a field goal. Chargers are out. Steelers are in. A lot of scrutiny has come around. We'll get to see, for some reason, one more Ben Roethlisberger game. Ben Roethlisberger is toast. He is, I mean, it is over. He feels like he retired three years too late. But... So that was the big, those were the big stories, I think. A bunch of firings. Uh, uh, Brian Flores in Miami is fired. Uh, Dave Gettleman retired. Mike Zimmer is fired. We're going to see what happens with the Seahawks. It feels like there's not going to be any wholesale changes right now. At least that's how I feel. By the time this comes out, like I said, I'm recording this on Monday. By the time this comes out, it could all be, we, we might know everything. But... Uh, what I'd like to talk about is the week before that, because I don't think that I talked about it in depth because I don't think it had happened yet. I think I recorded, I think I recorded my last podcast the morning before I drove to Indianapolis and I got home fine. The only, uh, the only problem with that flight, because I was just getting fucked at every turn. If you recall, the only problem with that flight is that I, uh, I, <laughs> I got onto I the flight. Oh, hold on, hold on. Uh, I, st- I got onto the flight and I, this woman in front of me goes, Hey, um, my husband's not on the flight yet because I boarded. I was in like, uh, they were I don't know, some weird boarding issue, but, uh, she was like, my husband is sitting directly behind you. It's the same class of seat. I was in premium seating because that was the only seat available from Indianapolis to Seattle. It was, uh, so it's a premium seat. 
would you mind switching with my husband? Still a window seat, same quality of seat. And I was like, you know what? I've been fucked so hard. I'm sure everybody else is having a tough travel time. Sure, I will switch. I switch with this man. He sits in my seat. And for the entire goddamn flight, the child behind me, not his child, but the child behind me, he moved up to sit next to his kid. My whole flight, the child behind me, every 20 seconds kicking my seat. I started just drinking whiskey, hoping that would help me fall asleep. It did not. Also, by the way, I've had a, I did a, I've done some shows that were fun. Uh, I headlined a show because a comic got COVID, uh, and it was great by the way. And I've had like a stuff that I keep testing. My wife is like competitive now. And she's like, every time I test negative for COVID, she's like upset. She's like, how the fuck did you do not, did you not get this yet? And our only theory is that I must've gotten it long before her which is also she's competitive and doesn't like that either. Cause then I, cause if I did, if I did get Omicron before my wife, that means that I got it and it wasn't a big deal for me, which she also uh, would be upset by. <clears throat> I don't think I have it right now, by the way, I've, I've tested multiple times. <laughs> I've tested so many goddamn, my nose is just full of, uh... but so what happened is that we didn't get a chance to talk about was, I think is uh, Antonio Brown uh, had a meltdown on the sidelines because maybe that was Thursday. I don't know. Time has no meaning, but Antonio Brown had a meltdown on the sidelines. Uh, apparently Bruce Arians told him to come into the, well, it's, we can hear it directly from, uh, from Antonio Brown, but he was on the sidelines. Some altercation happened on the sidelines and uh, Antonio Brown took his pads off threw his, gloves into the into the stands and left the field um kind of like hyping the crowd up it had to be very confusing if you were in the stadium because he's like you know it seems like he's just hyping the crowd up and giving him a peace sign and then you find out that he's uh he's quitting or he's he's gonna he's on the verge of being released so what we find out is that there was an altercation but between him and Bruce Arians. And then this is Antonio Brown went on the Full Send podcast to talk about it. And I'm going to play some selected clips. I'm going to try to be not more, you know, I have like eight minutes of clips here and we'll try to bounce through them. Seen on, on your Insta- I wonder, uh, I seen on, on your Instagram that yeah. you don't follow Tom Brady. I like, I, I deep, yeah. deep dive into it. But uh, why don't you follow Tom Brady? Is there something? No, nah, it's not personal, man. Tom is actually my friend. Okay, so I want to point this out. Uh, Full Send Podcast, two dudes in a chair. There's a couch in the middle. They're using uh, actually very similar equipment to what I have, except for they have uh, Shure MV7 mics. If you look at if you watch podcasts, I'm a big mic nerd. Uh, the podcast uh, standard mic for like a successful podcast is the Sure SM7B. I've now owned and returned like four of them. I just can't seem to like that microphone. But Antonio Brown is wearing like fully reflective wraparound, like metallic looking sunglasses and wearing them indoors in bright lighting uh, doing this interview. All right. One of my close friends, but you know, like like Ball was saying, what are you saying? I work at McDonald's. 
You see what I'm saying? Some people have a different definition of friend. Because when I say you, I'm your friend, that means I got your back. That mean, To me, though, that's what a friend means. But a friend is not like that in, you know, in this world and how we live in. And, you know, we play professional sports. Like, not everybody in sports is going to be your friend. Tom Brady's my friend. Why? Because I'm a good football player. He need me to play football, right? These guys called me to win the Super Bowl, not for the toilet bowl. They didn't say, A.B., we having problems with the toilet over here in Tampa. You think you could uh, flush the shit down and help us out? No, they called me and said, hey, A.B., we need you to win the Super Bowl because Tom Brady saw me come to uh, the Pats and run through those guys. The Patriots run a good system with practice and details, and he learned that A.B.'s a professional. No matter what you say about A.B., A.B. put his heart on the line. A.B. know to play when it's fourth down because he, he was studying up all night. He know the two huddle. I can account on him. But that's on the football field. So as a person with you and Tom, you wouldn't consider him your friend or would you nah, consider see, him? Now you're taking it too far. I just said people got different meanings of friendship. He, like when I used the example and said Bob was on the fries, he thought I was disowning him mm-hmm. saying he worked for McDonald's. Was I wasn't trying, saying that. I was, that. I was using an analogy work. to say if we're running a business and I need you to be on this and you can't be on this. Well, what, what, what makes what, what do you, what do you, This is such a fucking confusing analogy. If he really thinks he's making it, it's a, such a fucking confusing analogy. What do, think AB, what do you think AB makes Tom so good? What makes him the greatest Bro, quarterback? Listen, you, like, listen, we talking about principles. Now you're talking about what makes Tom so good. Yeah. Tom can't do nothing by himself. He got to play on a team. This is a football game. But this is what the world becoming, man. I just watch TV and they say, the coach just lied and said, A.B. never, he never told me about an injury. Then I put up the text. It's still negativity on my name. I just watched Aaron Rodgers say a guy's a dummy. Then everybody say, yeah, the guy's a dummy. So you tell me. You guys tell me. This is the podcast to be real. real. Who is the best guy over there? Since you guys know football, who is it? Who's the best guy over on that team? No, AB. Football, receiver-wise, who is the guy that get it popping? I mean, I think it's a combination of all you guys. I think it was AB. It's a combination now. Dude, I've always said, for me, I've watched. Saying who helped. Listen, I'm not saying that. I'm saying it was the realistic right now. All right, so here's the thing that bothers me. is he. I'm not going to try to skip through this whole thing. AB's, so here's the the a couple things going on. A very common thing that happens during this is, uh, and this is like, by the way, a thing that bothers me about the like political left, uh, I suppose. And actually the political right does it a decent amount also. But they talk about, they'll be like, oh, he's, maybe struggling. Uh, Antonio Brown is struggling. He's, he needs, uh, he needs help. But they don't, first off, Obviously, very few of us are psychologists, psychiatrists, able to diagnose this. Uh, I don't doubt that he needs help. But then to like, to like, uh, I mean, the guy, to get him on like a podcast to like kind of boost your, I don't know about this full send podcast, but I feel like he, and maybe this is what they're trying to do here, but he has no idea what he's saying right now. To me, Antonio Brown seems like a guy who fucked up. He knows he fucked up. And he's trying to salvage any part of his own dignity here. And not a guy who has, like, a tremendous point. Because 
Nobody, by the way, the Aaron Rodgers thing, Aaron Rodgers called out a reporter for, uh, who said that he wouldn't vote for Aaron Rodgers for MVP. The guy does happen to have an MVP vote, vote by the way, because he's unvaccinated. Now, I don't know how many times we're going to talk about this on this fucking podcast, but I am vaccinated, uh, fully vaccinated three times. Um, uh, ugh, that was gross. Um, I don't think that, I mean, Aaron Rodgers has paid the fines. He's presently in compliance with the NFL's uh, COVID protocols. Uh, the guy, I don't have any problem. I, I think it's fucked up to not. Now, I also think that I'd probably vote for Tom Brady for MVP personally. But to have the reason be because of I, this. And I also, by the way, like I'd put Barry Bonds and Kurt Schilling in Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame. It's not a, it's not a, the Hall of Fame and the MVP, MVP voting is not to me like a, a moral award. It is a performance award. And if you've decided that Aaron Rodgers is allowed to play professional football, let the man play, let him, you know, reap the benefits of it. If he, if, if he's that big of a problem, don't let him play. Also, I'll point out that uh, Antonio Brown does not appear to have any kind of ankle brace or anything on in this video. Uh, let's see if there's anything interesting in this other part. This is uh, Antonio Brown talking about why he walked off. And this is about three minutes long. I'm going to give it as long as we need. So take us through real quick. Let's just let's just get it out of the way here because there's a lot of shit we're going to talk about. Yeah. What 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 happened? You know, on the sideline, obviously, you, your lawyer released a statement about you know, that you had an ankle injury. So right now you, you had an ankle. Zoom in on ankle. Tell you what, we do have the nah, capability no, to uh, zoom in on the ankle. We have the most high-tech <laughs> cameras here, Mr. Brown. No, we got to let the doctors do their job, man. It yeah. ain't, you know, my whole thing is it's about integrity. And if you got a player, players have rights. And I was using that as an analogy to, to give you a real perspective scenario. Obviously, I know this is a big-time podcast. We're not at McDonald's. But, you know, okay, this feels like it's an extension of the previous clip. I think that what's going on is uh, we got a guy here, uh, Antonio Brown. To me, it seems like he's probably embarrassed and prideful. I mean, maybe there's these mental health issues going on. I don't I don't think it's it seems likely that these mental health issues are going on. But he's also prideful and embarrassed about his behavior. And like many dudes I know, I listen, I come from a family that is very passive-aggressive and unwilling to admit when they fuck up. I am one of these people. Uh, to me, this feels like that. All right. Um, let's see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull up. I'm going to read this. I, I'm tr I would like to talk more about sports than I have been, maybe, but... And I thought I had this up already. So, uh, in, uh, Patton Oswalt is a, is a stand-up comedian. He, uh, he did a show on New Year's Eve in Seattle at the Macaw Theater. Let's see. Did he delete this fucking post like a, like a coward? He did not. Good. So Patton Oswalt's a guy who's like surprisingly, I think, been a pretty good advocate for comedy. He's done, um... He's done Skankfest uh, a couple times, I think. He's like very good friends with the Skankfest creator and a comedian 
who's uh, somewhat controversial, named Louis J. Gomez. Uh, Patton Oswalt is a kid. So Patton Oswalt does the show in Seattle, and then at McCaw Hall, which is a big theater, but uh, very close to McCaw Hall, Dave Chappelle is playing the Climate Change. What is it? Climate Pledge Arena? Uh, by the way, I'll know it is Key Arena my whole life, just like I know uh, what's now called Lumen Field will be Century Link. I had a hard time switching from Quest Field when it was Quest Field also. Um, and then Safeco Field, but it's called T-Mobile Park now. I'm having a hard time with T-Mobile Park versus Safeco Field. So Climate Pledge Arena, CPA. I'd never seen that until recently, but Patton Oswalt finishes his show and then goes over to uh, Climate Pledge Arena, takes a picture with Dave Chappelle, does a guest spot. He says this, finished me set, and I think he probably means my set, finished me set at uh, McCaw Hall and got a text from Dave Chappelle. Come over to the, to the arena he's performing in next door and do a guest set. Why not? I waved goodbye to this hell year with a genius I started comedy with 34 years ago. He works an arena like he's talking to one person and charming their skin off. Anyway, I ended the year with a real friend and a deep laugh. Can't ask for more. And then Patton Oswalt happens to be a guy who appeals to, he's like an alt comic, which if you're not familiar with what that means in terms of comedy, he's, um, he's like, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, of all the things that he is, Patton Oswalt's also like a very outspoken liberal. And so a lot of his fans got very angry at him. And I actually give, at the time I was like, hell yeah, Patton Oswalt standing up for comedy. Uh, because I don't think that Dave, the, 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 this is the deal. When you watch the Dave Chappelle special, I think that you watch it and you can go like, oh yeah, of course he's doing material that he knows will piss off uh, LGBTQ people. And hardcore liberals, etc. But I don't think that one, I mean, I genu here's my genuine belief is that not all jokes are opinions. It's on my Twitter handle. I might put it on a shirt at some point. I don't think that Dave Chappelle is, uh, is means, well, means every single thing that he says on stage. I heard a, an amazing, by the way, I I hate the, the like stigma of a white dude quoting Joe Rogan. But um, Joe Rogan said this thing that I found actually very good and descriptive of the way that I view comedy, which is somebody came up to him after the show and they were like, do you really believe all that shit you said up there? And he goes, no, but the stuff that I believe is way less funny. Comedians exaggerate their beliefs or betray their own beliefs on the stage for laughter. And so this idea that Dave Chappelle is like actually a transphobe is laughable, in my opinion. So Patton Oswalt puts this up and it's like, you're like, fuck, this is like a risk. Patton Oswalt's putting something on the line for a friend of his and I was impressed by it. And then there was so much backlash that Patton Oswalt put out this picture of him in a dressing room, writing on a legal pad, I think the implication is supposed to be like he's writing this uh this um response on the legal pad and he so he issues this apology and we'll start with this 
I feel like there's a better than 50% chance that Patton Oswalt was like, fuck Dave, my friend Dave, fuck. I've, people are angry, and Dave Chappelle goes, listen, dude, I don't give a shit. If you apologize or don't apologize, it's not going to affect my ticket sales. So don't lose your ticket sales over something that's not going to affect me. That's my guess. And that's like the best case scenario. Now I'm going to read Patton Oswalt's thing because I think it's cowering and I think that it's a cowardly and I think that it, uh, it's one of the, this is why having a guy like Dave Chappelle, who's out saying things that I would not say that I would not stand by is still important for comedy. Patton Oswalt said, I saw a friend I hadn't seen in a seen in a long time this new year's Eve. We've known each other since we were teens. He's a fellow comedian. The funniest I've ever met. I wanted to post a pic and an IG story about it, so I did. The friend is Dave Chappelle. 34 years we've been friends. He's refocused and refined ideas a lot of us took as settled about race and history and life on planet Earth and spun them around with a phrase or punchline. We've done bad and good gigs, open mics and TV tapings, but we also we also 100% disagree about transgender rights and representation. I support trans people's rights, anyone's rights, to live safely in the world as their fullest selves. And then blah, 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 blah. It goes on and on and on. And the point is that Patton Oswalt, at that point, that's to me where it crosses into fucked up because he's suggesting that Dave Chappelle's actual beliefs are that, trans, that he does not support trans people's rights and i don't think that's an accurate depiction um and this is just the fucking cowardice and i guess part of the thing is and and uh of course you know pat nozzle's been doing comedy long enough that it's very easy to go back and find a joke that's actually probably more truly offensive about trans people than what dave Chappelle said and this is the thing is uh is the thing the thing about this is that um it's a it's a win for the fucking woke schools. Patton Oswalt's cultivated a career of people who uh or with with an audience who's offended by you know one of the best comedians in the world. In the short term, this is good for Patton Oswalt to to apologize to some of his fans to retain some of his fans but in the long term for comedy this is not good this is not good to have a guy abandoning one of his best friends by the way not at a time of need like i said i don't think that this is going to affect uh dave Chappelle in any way negatively in fact probably what this is going to do is chase pat and oswalt around i think like the the first surge was going to be people who are um who are against him but the lasting surge is going to be people who recognize that he kind of betrayed his friend and comedy. And it sucks because, I mean, I, I think he's one of the best. Uh, I think Patton Oswalt's one of the best. And, you know, seeing dudes like, like Jim Gaffigan does Skankfest to me is like, that's, that is a sign that's like a signal. If you want to talk about virtue signaling, uh, uh, Jim Gaffigan is signaling the virtue that 
skank fest and that offensive comedy and that all this stuff is not actually bad for the world, in his opinion. And Patton Oswalt had a chance to do that. And he cowered. He folded. And that is sad. I just can't imagine a, a situation where that's not sad. But even more sad than that, tough transition, uh, Bob Saget died. And this is the third, or sorry, the second recent comedy death that I think of like a guy who is tremendously good. Bob Saget was, he was an amazing comic and then he became, uh, you know, like one of the biggest TV stars in the world at a point. He was... Danny Tanner on Full House. He was the host of America's Funniest Videos. And then kind of had like a... He... So he stopped doing all that, and then he released this movie called The Aristocrats, where he talked about this joke that... it's a, By the way, the, the lore of the movie is that comedians all... Every comedian, every green room is just full of comedians telling the aristocrats joke, which is not true. That's not... Um, in spirit, maybe that's actually one of the things about like Patton Oswalt, Jim Gaffigan, all that stuff is trust me that Patton Oswalt is probably great away from stage. Some of the most outspoken, um, like performatively woke comics I know are very fun to be around off stage and do not abide by their own supposed views offstage I promise you comedians are making fucked up jokes to each other some of them are deeply offended by those jokes and most of them including the ones who pretend to be deeply offended by those jokes are just fucking laughing uh Bob Saget died yeah we're back there the saddest part is Bob Saget was like you know obviously going back to touring I think about this a lot, which is like um, Betty White, Bob Saget, uh, who was who was uh, the other one that we just lost? Fuck. Fuck. I can't think of who. Somebody else. <laughs> I mean, Norm MacDonald. These people who have these like storied careers, these like poetic and epic careers, they do so much and they make so much art and entertainment that people love. And then they just die in the middle of this pandemic where we lost, you know, two years of what they might've created. Bob Saget was going back on tour, uh, two nights, um, or the night before. So January 7th, he posted, uh, he said, this is obviously a, I'm going to, you know, edit it slightly for him. This is obviously a pre-show picture, but Holy crap. I love the amazing audience tonight at hard rock live Orlando, uh, a perfect first show of 2022. That was the fastest hour and 45 minutes ever. Thanks to everyone in Orlando and beyond who were there. And then the night before he died, the night before I'm recording this January 9th, actually it was the morning of January 9th. I believe I suspect it's like just after midnight that he posted this. Yeah. 1242 AM, uh, my time. Love tonight's show at PV Concert Hall in Jacksonville. What's PV for the sake of it? If you don't tell me, I'm going to be very... Oh, uh, Pontevedra Concert Hall in Jacksonville. Appreciative audience. 
Thanks again, Real Tim Wilkins, for opening. I had no idea. I did a two-hour set tonight. I'm happily addicted again to this shit. Check bobsaget.com for my dates in 2022. First off, the man went out on top. He was... If I mean I my preference if I was gonna if I had to die is to force my family to watch me die slowly that's my preference if I had to choose that's number one but number two is like why not die doing something fucking awesome uh, like being out on tour doing comedy yes of course I'd like a storybook ending uh, with my family that would be great but if I had to choose a second thing I'd like them to have closure I'd like them them to be at peace with it. But if I had to choose a second thing, I would pick probably doing stand-up or maybe like pitching in the World Series or something like that. I don't know. I guess, I guess uh, you know, it's sad. And Bob Saget's like an underrated stand-up. I think we think of him as all these like acting things. In fact, I saw a whole bunch of, uh, I saw a whole bunch of, um, of, descriptions of Bob Saget as an actor when the man was like a truly underrated stand-up and the fact he's beloved as a stand-up but you can tell he's underrated because everyone calls him an actor uh I'm gonna I'm gonna just play this and we can laugh at it together and then I have a voicemail to play and we'll get out of here this is Bob Saget at Dangerfields in 1984. How much time do I have left? 43 minutes on my laptop battery. I don't think that's going to be accurate, but let's play this Bob Saget uh, clip at Dangerfields. By the way, Dangerfields closed in the pandemic also. He's a guy who's very funny, but he's lonely. He needs acceptance. Make him happy, won't you? Bob Saget, how about it? All right, Bobby, here we are now. Gosh, you're a wonderful audience. You really are. I'm not just kissing up. I'm really not. I swear. I'm, I'm slobbering all over you is what I'm doing because I need you to like me real bad because I have no act and I have no life and I have no future. I'm serious. My mom is Gumby, my dad is Pokey, and I'm Mr. Potato Head. So I talk real fast. If you have any drugs, take them now. I'm serious. I, I'm not funny, but I am quick. That's the problem I have with women, too. But it's good to be here. It really is. And you're, you're a great crowd. I'm not just kissing up again. It's the second time I've done it. I just want to take a jacuzzi with you and throw in a toaster. I'm not kidding. I've never been this happy. I just, but you're a great crowd, and I care about all of you individually. I just want to have sex with you right now. I'm serious, but I, but I can. I'm working right now. But I'm a happy guy, because I, I got married. Married my girlfriend of seven years. That's her age. I'm going to jail. No, I did. I really am in love. I told her tonight, I said, when I come home, I want to make love to you badly. And she said, at least you don't overestimate yourself. But I'm nuts over her. She's this tall. <laughs> it's my dad's joke. Just... I'm sorry you laughed at that. I've lost respect for you. I really have. Everybody needs friends, you know? I, did. I had it rough when I was a kid. Never got to go to camp. My mom felt like I'd get embarrassed undressing in front of little boys. But I, I've changed because I kind of like it now. <laughs> That's not true. I'm no senator. But... Thank you very much. I never got to sleep over my friends' houses. Anybody get to do that? You slept over my friends' houses? I never got to. I said, Mom, why not? She said, Bob, you have no friends and you have no life and I'm not your mother, okay? <laughs> but I love my mom and you can too for just $12. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was easy. Let that go. I'm sorry. Don't applaud that. You're scum, buddy. You really are. <laughs> I live in California now, which is nice, but I'm actually frightened to death of an earthquake. I'm, I'm really scared of it. Californians don't care. It's like, oh, look, the ground's opening up. There goes my house. There go my wife and kids. It's Miller time. 
I'm scared there's going to be like a major quake and I'll be getting a vasectomy at the time. That's what I'm scared of, you know? It was a 7.3, but now it's a 4.1. <laughs> but I won't do that, damn it, because I want to have a kid. I really do. I'm, but I'm, right now I'm in no position to have a kid because I'm standing up and I'm alone. But I want to have a kid, but we've been trying to have a kid. Well, my wife's trying. I just lay there. But I won't breastfeed. Damn it, I won't do it. Uh, men can breastfeed. Did you know that? I read that. Okay, I made it up. <laughs> no, I read it. I wrote it down and then I read it. <laughs> I believe everything I read. Men can breastfeed, but you have to actually take cans of evaporated milk to your chest. <laughs> give the baby an opener, you know? <laughs> I remember when I was just a little baby, my mother was looking down and she said, Bob, you've had enough. And I said, don't act like you don't like it. You know, I was young, but I was a smart kid. But there, there's so much, there's so much bad stimulus out there for kids. I was in a toy store recently. There's this new doll out. It's half man, half woman. It's called, gee, I don't know. <laughs> You've been real nice. I had a good time. Thank you very much. I mean, just, you can't fit more jokes into that amount of time. It's like a, like not even a three minute set, not even a three full minute set. And there's like 40 fucking jokes in there. Uh, you know, some of that stuff obviously is like a little bit, I mean, the last joke, gee, I don't know, it's, uh, would make Dave Chappelle blush, maybe, but the, uh, I mean, it's just so many jokes and so many misdirects and absurd, and, and it's also, like, obviously so refined, it's so fucking, it's like, like, uh, Mitch, Mitch Hedberg does one-liners, right, and the, the, the intimidation of one-liners is they only eat up so much time. I, I mean, and especially Mitch, Mitch Hedberg does like these non sequitur one liners, right? Like I, what I do, uh, and the kind of comedy that I aspire to do also, this isn't what Bob Saget's doing here is amazing. It's not what I'm aspiring to do, but, uh, not because it's just like, not what I, I can't do. it. I can't do it. I'm, it feels like I'm disparaging him. Um, what I do is try to tell a story and have a bunch of jokes in the middle of it. This is not that. This is like a bunch of non sequitur shit. Bob Saget's, there's like a little bit of a through line. Mitch Hedberg, much slower paced, but uh, a lot of punchlines. This is just rapid fire, fucking 10 punchlines a minute, just hammering punchlines down your throat. And the timing is perfect. And the way that he sets up the crowd. And then, I, you know, how many times do you have to go through that? That's three minutes. That probably took years to write. And to get the to collect the data of what, how the crowd's going to respond and all that. So, rest in peace, Bob Saget. I never got to work with him. I don't want to make this about me. Just a great comic, uh, one of the greatest, is gone. Another one, and it's you know sixty five years old. It doesn't. You know, I read a. I did read a police report that said it doesn't seem like there was any, um, any drugs or foul play. So, uh, it's just scary. It's just scary. All right, let's hear the, uh, I think, the first voicemail of 2022. All right. Here we go. Hey, Casey. I was calling because I was wondering if my husband couldn't come and see your show for, you know, 10 to 14 days per the CDC for, you know, an undetermined reason, if we were to fool around, and I was to swallow, could I then not be able to come to your show for potentially 10 to 14 days? By the way, Bob and I have a uh, bet on this. I say, you won't appreciate this. He thinks you're going to laugh hysterically because I asked him this seriously. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Hopefully you don't roll your eyes like I did. Uh, have a good one. Bye. 
By the way, this is very confusing because the person who says they don't like it is the one that called. Um, and I know who these people are. Not gonna, not gonna call them out. Uh, I first off, didn't the CDC changed it to five days, right? But another thing, uh, please come to my show. I'm fully vaccinated, and I, I apparently have some sort of some sort of super immunity because I can't seem to catch the Omicron. Um, I had a guy. So when I first heard this, I was ready to roll my eyes and I liked, I ended up liking it. Uh, I wouldn't, I didn't, I wouldn't say laughed hysterically, but I did. I did think it was funny. I think it's funny that you're calling to ask a comedian, uh, health advice, but that's because, uh, I know who you are. And I think that's funny. I did have someone, I'm Gabe, Gabe Rutledge and I are advertising this show in North Bend, which you should come. And a guy took the opportunity to use that post that we were advertising to give us his like political stance on vaccine mandates. And he's like, well, I don't, uh, I would love to come to the show, but, uh, I don't do vaccine passports. So I can't, I'm not going to come first off. Probably weren't going to come anyway, sir. And if you're out there listening and you can verify, uh, I'll give you free tickets to a future show. And your name is on there. I've sent it to Gabe. I know who you are. I know who you are, motherfucker. I know you're not listening. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not like in love with the vaccine mandates. Uh, I'm vaccinated, but I'm not in love with the vaccine mandates. Here's the deal. Comics and entertainers don't fucking make those decisions. I did work with a comic who had the... the uh, uh, and and uh, by the way, <clears throat> this isn't a decision I would make. It's not one that I believe in necessarily, but I worked with JP Sears who earlier in the year, I was supposed to do a show with him elsewhere and he canceled it because the, the venue did, uh, the venue enacted a vaccine mandate, even though their, uh, their County didn't require them. I'm going to try to turn off this Bluetooth thing before my, uh, computer dies. And then we have a real problem. Hold on. There we go. Okay. Good. This, uh, this, I have this Bluetooth thing to play off my computer into the recorder. And when it's, when my computer dies, it makes a really fucked up noise. So I worked with JP Sears. Uh, he canceled a show. Um, I would not have made that decision because it's not something that I'm passionate about. It's not something that I feel informed enough or, uh, passionate enough about to make a decision. I'm Generally speaking, I would say I'm not in love with the vaccine mandates, but uh, I get it. And also I benefit from it and I'm a fucking coward. OK, and I think much like the Patton Oswalt thing, like if I want Patton Oswalt to stand up for Dave Chappelle and it, part of that is that bravery is really often unpopular, right? Like we do this thing now where we call people brave when they like kind of present an opinion that we've decided is should be the majority opinion and we won't accept it. Anything short of the majority. So like, for example, when somebody shares their, uh, their like coming out of the closet story or when someone comes out of the closet period, like, there was a time where I think that was incredibly brave when um, you could be shunned or lose your job, like legally lose your job. 
I know people face persecution and, and uh, oppression and discrimination now for sure because of their sexuality and gender and race and all that stuff, but substantially less than in the 1960s and 70s. And even in like, I think that's maybe only in small parts of the country. I don't think it really happens uh, significantly where I live. So in for someone to come out of the closet in Seattle is like not really that brave. It's like almost the, there's like kind of a turning tide where like if you were not and I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how commonly held this belief is. I don't want to overrepresent it, but like, if you're not uh, queer in some form, you are considered like almost bigoted in Seattle. And I don't mean that like as a joke. I mean like, there's this like kind of debate that people have been having on the internet, and maybe they're going to start to have it in real life about if you were, if you are a man. Uh, who would not have sex with a cis or sorry, a trans woman that you're actually transphobic. And I've kind of always operated under this idea that, um, you're allowed to have whatever discriminatory, uh, views you want when it comes to your own attraction, like who you are attracted to. You can be attracted to or not attracted to whoever you like. Um, Part of that is maybe justifying a world where I'm attracted to almost every ethnicity and uh, almost nobody in the world has been attracted to me. So maybe that's the deal. But uh, by the way, that sounded way more pitiful than I meant it to. Just laugh at it, please. It was supposed to be self-deprecating. Um, yeah, I guess like uh, – so yeah, I got to, to answer your question, uh, please don't come to my show with COVID it sounds like you have COVID and uh, please get better. You're like my biggest fans and supporters. So I need you because uh, nobody else can stroke my ego quite like you two. <laughs> but that being said, um, you know, February 19th, if you can't come to the one in North Bend, if you're going on the Casey McLean tour, if you're following me around like fish or the grateful dead, if you can't make it to November 19th, it sounds like you'll both be all squared away by uh, by February 19th. January 21st, North Bend Theater. If you're not there for that, February 19th. But please, for the love of God, just come out to both because we need you. We need you. Our egos need you and we need you. Um, I'm going to have some guests coming up. Uh, Gabriel Rutledge will be one of them, hopefully, to talk about jokes versus Boise. I have another buddy coming in. Oh, and I picked up golf clubs, everybody. I picked up golf clubs. I'm going to become insufferable the moment I start playing golf. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Sometimes I don't know why you do, but uh, I'm going to start. And I, I didn't have video for this one. I bought a, we got some video equipment coming in. Video is going to progress considerably. So um, please uh, subscribe to my YouTube the uh, youtube.com slash Casey McLean. I finally got it up over a hundred subscribers. So goddamn pathetic. And uh, we have enough for a uh, custom URL. And I am hopefully in January going to put out about 25 minutes of material in like 
not quite a special, not quite an album, but for you to watch and for you to share. So please check it out. YouTube.com slash DKC no, slash Casey McLean. For some reason, they won't let me change it to DKC McLean. I honestly don't know why. Thank you for uh, listening to this podcast and I will talk to you soon.